1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, welcome. Let's chat. It's hard. You want to talk? I know, that's disappointing. Let's work this out. How's it going? What are we doing here? It's amazing if you think about it. Let's think this
0: about seems this. Strange. I have some thoughts about that. Life is hard. Trauma bonded. This was what Stephen Boatwright calls an empathy challenge for me.
1: Good. It's good to have an empathy challenge for you. I
0: agree. It is. I just have no idea what it's like to be a parent no idea what it's like to have baby no desire to have either so i i'm there with her and i'm listening and i'm wanting to understand and i i get it on like an intellectual level but as far as like feeling the feels the only thing I really, what really resonated with me personally, was when she talked about partying in Alaska and having fun, and partying in Asia and having fun. That's
1: when you really are like, yes, <laughs> relating, <laughs> like building yeah.
0: these amazing memories. Just being married, no fucking kids, and then, and then after that, I'm like, hey, I, I love them.
1: Good. This is good
0: practice. Welcome to Trauma Bonded. I'm Ellie Westberg, and I'm here with Therese Garcia. Hello, hello. And today we're discussing, this is actually happening, episode 293, What If You Believed Your Son Was Possessed? And our basic synopsis is, Olivia is raised by an emotionally stunted mother, an alcoholic father in the Pacific Northwest, She meets her husband as a teenager and they grow up together and support each other as both come from unstable homes. After they marry and are stationed in Okinawa, she suddenly has the want for children. Her son's birth isn't easy, but once she gets him home, he won't sleep nor stop crying and the same goes for her. She eventually enters a postpartum psychosis displayed by mania and delusions, believing her son might be possessed or At the very least, demons have entered the home, and after a stint in the hospital and with help from close friends and the Lord God, she is able to regain her health and eventually bond with her son. And full disclosure, I'm the showrunner for This Is Actually Happening, and I have the privilege to vet stories and conduct pre-interviews before they go to WIT for the final interview. And T comes in knowing nothing about anything. She comes in fresh, and this show, Trauma Slash Bonded, is for the listeners a space where we can talk about each episode, digest it, and reflect on it with empathy and also a bit of levity. T, what stuck out to you is the heart of Olivia's story?
1: A big one for me... And we've talked about this before, Mm -hmm. um, with John actually just having that, that courage to share that you're having a difficult Mm -hmm. time. That's huge. And then on the other side of that, when someone has that courage to share that, to really listen, consider, validate what they're saying. Yeah. By the way,
0: apparently they're really coming for John on social medias. Mm-hmm. And we've had a couple comments on our own Instagram page as well. Um, yeah. people are claiming that his story isn't as a, is he as he presented it, and there's some racism there and basically giving Witt in the show shit for giving him quote unquote a platform and That he would, quote unquote, profit from having such a platform. Um, We're going to respond to it properly in our comments episode, which is going to be a bonus episode toward the end of October. Exciting. So we'll have some response to that and review some of your comments about it. Let's talk about it. I got a plug in. That's how plugs work. I like that. But sorry to interrupt. Yes. Yes
1: agreed totally
0: did you have any other hearts
1: one other heart that kind of resonated with me but i haven't i haven't thunk it through Mm -hmm. um in my personal life enough but um and she just says you know a lot of times people of faith are ignoring mental illness altogether yes and that's something that i feel like you know my family has dealt with a little yeah I mean, it's a strong
0: point that she makes, and I think it says a lot about her that she can hold both thoughts in her head, that one, she's completely moved by God's presence in her life, and two, that she can also indict the church where they're failing. So you can do both.
1: Let's do both. You know, let's question sometimes. Or you got to say, do better. You know, these institutions are fucking old. I mean, at this point, again, this is great. I mean, religion really helped her.
0: I mean, it also did some shit to her, but.
1: But in the beginning, it helped, you know, it helped her get out of, just get some comfort, you know?
0: Yeah, it gave her some peace and comfort in her life when she needed it. For sure. For sure. Starting from a young age up through going through this postpartum.
1: Sometimes you need that sense of community and belief system.
0: And a feel, yeah, a feeling of love and light coming from some other plane of
1: existence. Yeah. Get them when they're vulnerable, right? His eyes on the sparrow. I love that song. I love it too. What is that, Sister Act two?
0: I sing because, because I'm, happy. I'm free.
1: Oh, I thought you were in the second part. I sing because I'm free. Your little flat. Okay. It's a great song. Great movie too. If
0: you believe oh, great
1: movie. Love that movie. I mean, come on.
0: Can we do it? Sister Act podcast?
1: Or... <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Just change it up. Or we can do a
0: seven part series about Sister Act and Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Nice. We could do all of this we could sing all of the songs. That'd be fun. That would be fun.
1: Let us know. Listeners, <laughs> if you want us to, we will. Uh, uh,
0: my heart, T, and I think it goes hand in hand with yours. They're holding hands. Oh. Um, I think it her the heart of, of uh, Olivia's story is is what she says too. It's about breaking generational trauma, and you do that by exposing it. And talking openly about it and trying to understand where the hurt comes from and trying to change it. And she had like a couple really money lines, I thought, at the end with her wrap up.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, totally. She talks about
0: like we're a generation that has to re parent ourselves. Mm-hmm. And she talks about we are taking care of ourselves so our kids don't have to heal from us.
1: Oh, that was huge! That was
0: so brilliant. And someone has probably said that, but I'm giving Olivia credit for it. But two really important things that, I mean, in in this time with so much information, um, so much awareness around mental illness, so much discussion about it, this is the generation that can absolutely break that cycle. And you just, you weep for prior generations, like, Boomers, etc., that were very much told, like you don't talk about it, you put your head in the sand, and you just bend over and take it, and you you get on with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And no one ever knows what you are dealing with. No one ever Experience. knows. You don't bring yeah. any shame to the family or yourself, and we just will carry it deep down inside, and it'll be all be fine. What do you want for dinner? You know.
1: Hey, I made it. I made it. <laughs> yeah
0: well what's wrong what what, why can't they do it you're definitely not okay
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, why are you attacking
0: i mean it's interesting when you get to an age where you can really look back and see in your family where certain things were finally broken like for me my mother was never really like actively loved by her mother like there was always stability in the home as far as like uh, everything from the outside was, was okay. And, and there was no abuse per se, but there wasn't like a a huge outpouring of love and and it was never said to her. And so one way that she tried to break that cycle was with us. She wanted to make sure that she always said the words, I love you to us. And so it, Seems like a small little thing, but that, and she didn't break everything, you know, but that one, (laughs) that one part she was able to do. And I don't have any kids, so I can't say what I've broken. (laughs) My, my sisters, they're very, very communicative with their kids. There's no taboo subjects. So again, it's just, it's, it's more of doing that same work to break those sort of generational
1: traumas. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, my parents all, you know, full of love, full of love all the time, right? But then um you know, I came out when I was like 5 or something, went right back in the closet. Yeah. The way my mom responded, I'm re- with my kids, I'm like, "What throw it at me? What? What? What?" Yeah. what? anything yeah. you know let's talk about it i'm open to it we're reading books about all the things i'm learning stuff and yeah. i just want us to let's let's put it out yeah let's put it out there and know whatever it is i love you no matter what
0: and anything they say to you it's like no reaction only support
1: that's right that's right but it was clear it's i couldn't say anything yeah yeah you
0: know, I guess thinking about religion, uh, you know, everything that you did, sort of that was in sin. I chose to definitely hide it to myself because of fear of shame, and or rejection, or and or uh, feeling villainized or less than. Um, but I put that on myself; like that didn't come from my parents. So that that was part of it. And then, honestly, when I when I did finally reveal things that i was holding in like when i had to tell him i was getting a divorce i thought it was there was going to be a big reaction to that and they only demonstrated unconditional love and support oh but
1: <laughs> there
0: are little little things like for example when i was staying with my mom in arkansas after my dad died um I went to make myself, like, some sautéed spinach and an egg for, like, a late breakfast. And Mm. she's like, Ellie, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just making some breakfast. She's like, "Uh, we're about to go eat lunch. And I was like, it's in, like, three hours. (laughs) She's like, yeah, but they're really big portions. And I was like, okay, Uh I won't eat food now even though I'm
1: hungry.
0: I won't eat spinach. Yeah. And eggs. (laughs) But what was funny about that, even though she couldn't stop herself from commenting, because of the way I reacted to her and basically showed to her how ridiculous and unreasonable and sort of cruel she was being, we were able to talk through it and, and have a laugh about it. And then we kept referring back to it in comedy. You know? But if you don't have that openness or the vocabulary to say, mom, that's not cool. And you're just a kid. You're just going to internalize that kind of stuff, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know? And so, and now it's become kind of a joke, like, oh, she just can't hold her tongue. She's got a comment on it. And she laughs about it, but it's not something, it's something as adults that we can do that isn't as easy for kids when everything's like big and scary and, and unsure
1: and there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. From the world to be a certain way. Yeah. Let's
0: hit some highlights of the episode. Do you want to talk about mom's rabbit?
1: Oh my gosh.
0: I thought this was such a great anecdote to explain how her mother was. Yeah. The loss of this rabbit, her mother's huge emotional reaction, and lashing out. But the, the most damage there, I think, is the fact that her mom refused to talk about it. So instead, there's just isolation, a huge emotional reaction, and then head in the sand and hide and not talk about it. And, you know, she talks about how her mother was sort of emotionally stunted or reacted like a child. And um, I just want to give a bit, of behind the scenes hmm. that, that adds more to the story of her mother that I think is interesting that um, didn't make the edit for whatever reason. But um, it was a additional info that was provided to us from Olivia. Um, you know, she talks about her mom's suicide attempt was particularly traumatic because it led to her getting third degree burns and needing skin grafts. And as she does say in, in the episode, her mom never talks about it. I mean, can you imagine your mom goes through something like this and there's never a word uttered to you about it, never presented to you that what mom's going through and it's going to be okay. Um, So She mentions that her mom's sister ran away, but we don't get any details around that. So, and I'm reading from the email from Olivia. So this is in her words. She says that they literally never saw her again. She was missing for 16 years. They hired private investigators, even had to look at Jane Doe's photos to see if it was her. And this was during the 70s and the 80s in Seattle. So it was a terrifying time to have a child missing. And the next time they heard from her, she was on her deathbed in a hospital in Las Vegas, and she called out of the blue. And um, so her mom's parents, so Olivia's grandparents, immediately flew down to see her, but she passed away before they got there.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. So Olivia is saying this helps paint a picture of the loss my mom carried when I was growing up and still does to this day. Wow. She's also got this dad who's alcoholic and verbally abusive. And, you know, she mentions that she has depression um, that really expresses itself in her, her teen years, of course, cutting, burning, attempted suicide. Here's what I I I want to know. How were they homeschooled? Who was doing the homeschooling? Yeah. Even if your mother is emotionally sort of stunted like that, she could still have a capacity to to teach her children. But it just feels like such a sort of volatile environment. It doesn't feel like a presence of an education would be there, you know, kind of blows the mind.
1: I mean, why would they even decide to homeschool? It's
0: probably more of like maybe a freedom thing or a rejection of an institution, mm. then it is like a desire to to teach. But that's just a guess.
1: Do you have anything you want to say about her childhood? The rabbit story. Still, yeah, kills me. She just leaves for four days comes back with a sledgehammer. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine from anyone's perspective, Even the mom, like, what's going on there? Like, we're supposed to, she's, like, burying it, but then it it comes out somehow, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the form of a sledgehammer. The sadness
0: and the shame that that puts on Olivia is just devastating.
1: Yeah. Because
0: you're seeing this woman have these big emotional reactions to something that was essentially your fault,
1: and Mm -hmm. no one's
0: talking to you about it. No one's telling you... Don't worry about it. It's not your fault. Things happen. Yeah. This is nature. This is life. No one's saying these words to her. We're so just she's just internalizing yourself. this. Yeah. What a terrible burden to carry around as a kid. Like not only am I hurt and I'm I'm having this reaction because I lost my bunny but I'm not going to expressly say it. I'm just going to Passive, aggressively, and aggressively make it clear that I am angry about this. Violently angry about this. Yeah. Her mother is so dramatic, too. I mean, the suicide attempt. Yeah. And then again, we don't say a word about it.
1: Can you imagine? No. No. I mean, talk about an elephant in the room. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then my mom would be like, oh, she's just immature. <laughs> just immature. You know, like, no, I think, I think she needs she's help. strange. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of a weirdo. The weird one in the fam.
0: But this, I mean, I think this is the thing about that generation is you, you didn't talk about stuff. You slowly grew up. Resentment toward your spouse, and then you just get divorced, and then you're just adding onto the pile of all of the heartache in the household. You're just Mm -hmm. adding more trauma to the pile.
1: Now there's two households that are totally disturbed.
0: Yeah. I've already touched on this a little bit, but I will never, ever, ever understand that urge. When did you know that you definitely wanted to have kids? And, sub question, When did you know that you didn't want to be the one to birth them?
1: I've known that since from the beginning. But um, I was back and forth with the whole kid thing, back and forth, back and forth. When I was younger, I was like, for sure. I mean, that's what people do, right? Right. When I was older, I was like, I need my freedom and not have all this responsibility. Um, And how are you going to take care of another person? I can hardly manage this guy you know yeah um but then i was like yeah and then i was like no no, no. and then, and then you know when Grant and i got together we talked about it a lot we actually went back and forth too because we were like in the whole travel we were going to asia yeah you know <laughs> yeah they're like this is awesome maybe we don't want kids you know yeah um but I think we just, like, decided we wanted to spread the love, you yeah. know? Um, I mean, we've had those talks. Like, oh, man, if we didn't have kids, we could no, be.
0: I'd be on your boat
1: right now. <laughs> we'd be on our boat. We'd be smoking cigs, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know?
0: it's like how that's, like, high on the list of what else. <laughs> it's up there. <laughs> You'd boats get.
1: and Sigs.
0: Boats um, and Sigs. Sigs on boats.
1: Yeah, Sigs on boats. Nothing better than that. <laughs> so we're still oh, back and could forth. Have been. <laughs> we're still a bit back and forth, but now we got them. So it's the best thing ever at this point. And yeah, it's awesome. I mean. It's not, like she says, it's not sunshine and rainbows. Yeah.
0: You know, I was the original child-free, I feel like. I mean, they didn't have a name for it back then. Oh,
1: gee. When I
0: expressed it. In fact, everyone was just like, what, Ellie? You know, when I have kids, I'm like, no. My 12-year-old. That'll
1: change. That'll change. Well, you want
0: to have at least
1: one. No. I don't know. It's so cool to just be a cool aunt. I mean, I didn't
0: even think that far of it. It was just like, you know, when you're a teenage girl, preteen girl, you you talk about what your future going to look like. And I just when asked in the moment to think about it, I didn't want it. I didn't, yeah, you uh, were thinking
1: didn't. like, I want my friend to have one so then I can bring them gifts. No,
0: I wasn't thinking about it at all. <laughs> I'm just like, why would I want to take care of one of those? You know, and that just always stuck with me. Um, and I'm not a antinatalist, you know, I recognize that children must be born and generations must carry on or whatever. We were children. um, Hmm?
1: We we were children.
0: I know. I know. And Scott, my partner now, he doesn't want it. Which is great, because I don't think I could anyway. But he actively made the choice to not have kids because he because of mental illness in his own family, and which is kind of the lazy way of getting of breaking the cycle. Yeah, I was
1: gonna say that's <laughs> another way of breaking the cycle. Good for him. Yeah. Recognizing it. Yeah, to recognize it is a
0: big deal. Yeah. Um can we talk about her
1: her wanting this natural home birth? She's all over the place, this one.
0: What is the romantic idea? around all the natural home birthing stuff i'm gonna be well let's home. not be
1: judgmental i'm gonna have a du- no i really want to understand it. oh you want to know yeah i thought because you were making a face no one can see her face <laughs> it's, it's weird it's weird to me i'm gonna see that see you are saying it is you are kind of judgmental. i'm gonna be at
0: home and i'm gonna have a doula and i'm gonna be in a pool and i'm not gonna have any drugs and it's just gonna slide right on out of me and it's gonna be nature it's going to be oh, as close yeah. to nature as i can be and i'm going to feel this like big thing with the universe and it's just so romanticized it's dangerous to have a baby it's so many
1: something. women have died over <laughs> the, well let's i don't know the stats just, i don't i don't i don't want to touch these Do your research. That's a real thing. I mean. Well, well, yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't. It's incredibly dangerous. You're squeezing out a thing out of a little hole and a lot can go wrong. I just. The hole
1: gets bigger.
0: I get it. But it takes some (laughs) effort. And even then, you still got to really push it out. Yeah. And I don't know. For my money, if I was going to go through this, I'd want to put me in a bed in a hospital with lots of like trained professionals around mm. give me the drugs give me you know put me I'll sleep through the whole thing in, in fact and then you know <laughs> catch me up at the end like I'll get my my whole close to god and nature and the universe thing like from having the baby like having the baby handed to when me The baby's
1: here. Yeah, yeah
0: but like the whole, I don't know that I need to experience the the pushing
1: and they tearing and the well they try to make it not with the tearing afterbirth and the <laughs> but well, where did this romantic
0: anyway. idea of it come from is it just like i'm supposing maybe it's something to do with like the sterility of the hospital environment it's like you have like uh 7-eleven lighting and stuff whereas at home you can just like have your regular
1: no, you can have it dark in the Lighting. hospital.
0: Well, I mean, I'm talking, I mean, years ago, oh. like when we were born in hospitals, it wasn't like, it oh, was yeah. like 7-Eleven. Now they have like these birthing suites where they, you know, try to make yeah. it as if you are home and it's dim and all that shit. But like, I mean, that's must must be where ugh, the romance, the romance of birthing a baby. I I don't even know why I'm talking about it. it's not, it's not, I'm not their audience. So I'll never understand it. That is my empathy
1: challenge. Oh, yes, yes. There's also, we read a book, and I don't know anything about it really, but there's been instances apparently when the mom might like, in order to feel, not feel as much pain to have like an orgasm as it's happening or or around then, what? Which doesn't seem like clitoral to do. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> but yeah, or but one thing I've heard is some people think like the use of drugs makes it so you're not as connected with your baby as it's happening or. Um. There's some thought thought there. No, I know, I know, I know. why not, why not to do it? Okay, let's move on. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
0: Um, so, she doesn't get her romantic home birth. In fact, she gets a three days labor and C-section. And... She has this baby. He wouldn't sleep. He wouldn't stop crying. She couldn't sleep. She's got mood swings, Um, and I think you know there's this really scary part around this all. And she says this too, like she doesn't know what is normal, and she keeps seeking advice from from professionals, doctors, mental health care, and they're not giving her any answers. So she's just like existing in her brain. And, hey, just breathe,
1: take a walk, walk. take a bath.
0: And this is how this psychosis can start to enter in. It's like you are taxed from all angles. You don't have sleep. Your hormones are all over the place. And add in the element if you have no support or very Mm -hmm. little support. And you're feeling so low because of shame. And not feeling like you can pull it off, you know, these are when these these mood swings turn to
1: mania, um, mm-hmm. and you're not feeling like that bonded to the baby. Yeah, where you know everyone always believes, oh yeah, hundred percent love as soon as it happens, you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: and and to feel like you're not in touch with that has got to be so scary because what is normal? Um, and I was talking to Witt about this just to sort of hear his like thoughts about the episode and to him the most interesting thing about the episode was this idea of um what do we do when someone's mind is hijacked right yeah because how can you tell and that's what her thing was. She, what was normal? I, I was expecting a certain level of baby blues, but what is normal? What's not? When am I not myself anymore? And I've entered some other extreme realm. We also mentioned um, the fragility of the human experience, especially when something comes so out of the blue like that. Like, how do we make sense of it? How do we assign responsibility? And when she empathizes, yeah. empathizes with mothers who kill their kids, that will probably bring controversy, controversy.
1: Mm-hmm. That's and,
0: right. and we also, he talks about an empathy challenge for us all yeah. for this episode. And we're going to get to those women. We're going to yes. do a little deep dive about those women. Um, did you have anything else to add in that vein?
1: No, let's go, let's go to, um. Demons? Hey, um,
0: we just wanted to call you and let you know that we're having like a really tough time with Mm. the new baby and
1: we need help. Yeah. Well, I can just tell you it's demons. Oh. Demons. And they're possessed. And they're in the house. Oh. Could be you. Oh. Could be... I don't know. Someone in the house.
0: Oh, I hadn't considered that. I was definitely demons.
1: You should. Oh, yeah. Take the Bible. Oh, take the. Okay. Do what you do. Carry it around. Carry it around. uh,
0: But maybe I'm just sleeping. Okay, I'll see you later then. Okay. Thanks. Good luck to you. Well, thanks. See you at Christmas. And scene. I mean, I'm not I, I don't want to come for his parents, but I think we should come for him a little bit.
1: <laughs> a little bit. I mean it's just another. I mean, the doctor's saying like t- go take a walk. Yeah. You know? This and one's I mean, like, well, it's demons for sure. And, and
0: and the the most fucked up about that is she hadn't considered that, right? So she's just expressing that she's having a tough time and she needs a bit of help. And now they've added to her pile of tough times that it might be something demon related. And and it could be possession and it could be it. it, And we don't know who's who's. I the, got the possession. It, it could you? be this new son. It could be it you. It could be, it could be your be kid. Your, your drunk mom was there. Maybe it was her. She Maybe brought it.
1: She probably she brought it. She brought
0: it, and she like, like imprinted an object in the house, and you know all those dark, tall, pointy shadows you're seeing? That's definitely not from your sleep deprivation. That's probably like yeah. demon-related. Okay, them. bye. Yeah. What the fuck?
1: This is where I think religion didn't help.
0: Yeah, definitely not. You know, and and to me, this is what really broke this psychosis wide open. Oh. Because when you're dealing with principalities of darkness, that's some major shit.
1: That's Mm -hmm. not just
0: like, let's figure out how to make this baby stop crying and, like, get you some support. Like, that's dealing with some major, major shit. And it's all on you. You figure it out. You root it out. What object could it be? Oh, is what is what, what of a Christmas tree? It's pagan, uh, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> it just blows my mind. And no one's going. No one's helping her. No one's helping her. Did husband believe it was demons too? She doesn't really say. Really. Um, so this breaks her wide open. She ends up on her knees reading the Bible while the baby's crying. The fuck? Oh my god. And this is like when it becomes like, yeah, yeah, this is something out of a movie. Yeah, this is like some exorcist shit or something. Yeah. And her friend shows up and she calls him Satan and she starts rebuking him in the name of Jesus. I mean, it's really something out of a movie. She goes to the ER. She's reading the Bible loud and proud. She's crawling around on her hands and knees, like like she's the possessed one, you know, crawling underneath those little room dividers. Yeah, the hospital cell. This is truly the psychotic break. When it, like, I mean, if anyone's possessed
1: over. at that point, I mean, I would go well, towards her and not yeah. the kid. You know, yeah. if you try and identify who it could kids like it ain't me yeah (laughs) just so you know it's definitely not me but
0: you know because of the bible influence in addition now she's like read about abraham and isaac and now she's starting to get into her head like uh killing a kid could be a thing that could be done and this is where she says that she does not have a she doesn't remember if she has an urge to harm her children um she can't remember but it's possible and
1: she's deep she's deep in it she's
0: deep in it so and and when she um and i also want to say one more bes- behind the scenes tidbit that wasn't expressly mentioned in the episode Um, she talks about in the, in the hospital, that second night that she was there, there was a woman that was admitted who was also psychotic and she was singing hymns and yelling Bible verses. And so that just amplified her own delusions. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's talk about a few famous cases of when postpartum psychosis wasn't caught early on and what happened with these poor women and families. Um, the one that when when Olivia contacted us, she mentioned specifically the most recent one in recent memory is uh mm-hmm. lindsay Lindsay Clancy. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that one?
1: I am yeah um when this awful.
0: happened in january twenty twenty three uh she was charged with killing her three young children. And it casts a spotlight on postpartum psychosis again, which is a little discussed condition, the experts say, is often compounded by shame and guilt. And Dr. Philip Resnick, a professor of psychiatry at Case Western Reserve University, says women who have a baby are expected in our society to love that baby immediately if someone has postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis they may not feel the natural maternal feeling then they feel guilty and are reluctant to even tell their husband or their obstetrician or pediatrician about their feelings
1: Lindsay clancy did seek help
0: well and also she was on leave from her job as a labor and delivery nurse so mm-hmm. she, she was and she had shared on social media about her struggles with anxiety and new motherhood.
1: The whole thing with that's just awful. It's
0: terrible. Um so that's the the kind of the most recent one. The one that that I thought about immediately is the one I kind of remember from when we were younger, happened in 2001. Do you remember the name Andrea Yates? No. She was a mother in um in Texas that that uh, drowned her four children, uh, five children. Yeah. She drowned her five children. Yeah. Um, she she truly believed in her psychosis that killing the children was in their best interest. So I will say that. So in two thousand one, she was originally con- convicted as a murderer, um, but then in two thousand six, her her conviction was overturned and Yates was found not guilty by reason of insanity. And she was sent to a state hospital where she remains to this day. And this is something that's all that's talked about. And the little research I did is that um, it, we should be acknowledging postpartum psychosis as a legit insanity defense. It's not something like first-degree murder was premeditated and it should be treated as such. But people have such an aversion to insanity defense um, that it's hard. A lot of states don't have these sorts of laws on their books. And this sort of, and this leads me to a case, um, Carol Coronado in 2014 in the state of California. And there's this really excellent, um, um California report you know kqad.org or kqad does the Mm -hmm. California report and this is from 2020 and I highly recommend seeking it out and listening to it it's about a 28-minute listen and the title of it is she killed her children can we forgive her and it talks specifically about what she happened and she uh killed her three daughters and then, you know, turn the knife on herself, but she did live through it. And there are these um, voicemails that they play that she had left for her own mother, like the day before. And there's just so devastating. They're so desperate. Um, she left, one desperate message after another mommy, please call me, please, please, please. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm hungry, crying and rambling until the voicemail system cuts her off. And by the sixth message, she sounds spent and she just says, mom, please call me. I love you. Bye. And that afternoon, she murdered all of her children. And she, this was in 2014. But she was still convicted as a murderer, and she is serving uh, three back-to-back life sentences. Um, The first time that her her husband and her ever heard of postpartum psychosis was after she was taken to jail. And doctors later Mm. told them that Carol's break from reality was caused by hormonal changes from her last pregnancy, lack of sleep, and relentless cycle of breastfeeding and caring for three babies under three. Ooh. Um, now the reason that we have such a tough time with the insanity uh, defense in this country is it. it and, and this um, same article that I'm talking about, or this uh, listen that I'm recommending, also goes into this a little bit, which I thought was really, really fascinating. And I'll just talk about it really quickly. Um. So in 1981, when John Hinckley Jr. filed fired multiple gunshots in his attempt to assassinate President Ronald Reagan. Hinckley, 25, said he was in love with the actress Jodie Foster, and he was convinced that she would fall in love with him if he killed the president. And psychiatrists said Hinckley had schizophrenia, and the jury found him not guilty by reason of insanity, and he spent the next 30 years in a psychiatric hospital. And Americans were outraged. The day after the verdict, 83% said justice had not been done. And lawmakers from there from 38 states rewrote their insanity laws to ensure that another Hinckley would not get off. Would not get off. Okay. And mm. then another case that adds to that feeling too was in California, and this is why California isn't very as progressive as a state it claims to be. Um they California had a state had its own version of the Hinckley case a few years prior to that in 1978, when Dan White climbed through a window in San Francisco City Hall and shot and killed Mayor George Moscone and supervisor Harvey Milk. And this is what we hear about the famous like Twinkie defense. White's lawyer argued that would, what would From then on be remembered as the infamous Twinkie defense, he said White suffered from depression and made him periodically obsessed with junk food, which compromised his capacity to understand or control what he was doing. And the jury found White guilty of manslaughter rather than murder and sentenced him to eight years in prison. And San Francisco erupted in fucking riots. So it's Mm. these sorts of experiences with insanity um, defenses that make it particularly hard, and depending on what state you're in, to sort of pull off this postpartum psychosis as a insanity defense. And it's just like, we just have this fucked up view in the judicial system of these women that that go through this as being perceived as villains or monsters, They're, they're, they're committing murder. Because And we're especially hard on women and we're especially hard on mothers because we expect them to have an extra duty of care to their children. Um, and it's hard not to perceive them as evil that they could kill their own children.
1: Mm-hmm. But we
0: have to ask ourselves, how are they living one day raising their kids by all accounts taking care of their kids? And then all of a sudden, they're just murdering them. Like we, where did the planning and 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 want to to murder them come from i mean all of these cases that i'm talking about the the seeds or the the obviousness that it was ppp was apparent these women are not monsters they're taken over they're hijacked by something else and it's not demons it It's very scientific, and we have as much as we love to be mad at people that harm children, we do have to have a level of grace understanding for these women, I think
1: for sure, and we can do things to to help prevent the effects, like with Olivia, she yeah. was able to recognize what was happening and get some help.
0: Right. And she didn't have that in that we were just talking about. Um, so one thing we didn't talk about was they get through this terrible time in their life with their son and oh, yeah. they get pregnant again. It It's a bit um, I mean, I don't want to be judgmental, but it's a bit unnerving and it feels a little irresponsible but then again you could argue that because they've gone through something before they are definitely equipped to deal with the potential of something happening so i can't really judge judge them for that well
1: in retrospect yeah it worked out yeah right but really what i'm thinking was because they're Religious, they're probably not using protection. I mean, who does? I I don't have to. So me neither, <laughs> dude. If you got pregnant, <laughs> have you gone through the change? The change? No, I don't know. I don't know that. I let me just know. do a PSA. Let me just do a quick P- PSA. I don't even. They don't tell you when it happens what happens yeah people really long, don't talk about it that's what i'm saying so i'm asking you as an older person it long in their
0: cycle hasn't happened. been no ever. it hasn't happened yet i mean when is it gonna it's happen? the thing that i probably blame things on now like um if I just get hot all of a sudden, I'm like, this must be what a heat flash feels like. Yeah, but I don't think it's. I don't think. I think I would know more. Like, I don't think it's happening. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> and then
0: there's this whole idea of being
1: perimenopausal. Yeah, yeah, like that's pre a, or something. That's what I'm saying. How's that? Um, I are, mean, I don't you know. Perry?
0: I don't think so. I don't go to the doctor though, so. Oh, would they know? I think it, it's something they can diagnose, but Depends I your levels. As far as, like, you know, cycles go, I'm still really regular. And because I already have bitchy tendencies, it's hard to know where yeah. the hormones begin and I yeah, end. All right. What else you got? Wait. Well, how well, did you feel? Say, yeah. How did you feel about? Well, I thought they in? were
1: really responsible about it. Yeah. I mean, what I assumed was because I don't use protection that it's going to happen at some point. But what they did do was anticipate whenever she felt a weird feeling, they, they dealt with it.
0: I guess I want to make this point or ask this question as a person that doesn't have children. Like, the love that you get from a kid must be so fucking incredible that you would go through that experience and then even... Okay, if you're a Christian, you're probably not going to abort it. That's what I was whatever. saying. But to be that. open to dealing with it again, with the potential that it could happen again, like that's how good that kid love is. That's not what I meant. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. that whole when people talk about like once you have a kid, life's different. You yeah. you can't imagine that kind of love and. Da, 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 da. Like, it must be incredible to subject yourself to the potential of feeling so disconnected from yourself again just to bring this kid into the world.
1: Well, according to them, maybe, is that they didn't have a choice. They got pregnant because they don't use protection. And they don't, yeah. And then once you get pregnant... You can't abort it, you're not gonna abort it, yeah, so you, you just roll with the punches, and yeah, if you're able to I mean they didn't assume that it would happen again, they hoped it wouldn't.
0: if you were a woman that went through the experience that she went through, no matter your religious affiliation, and again, I'm not judging, I'm just asking questions and and she should be able to do whatever the fuck she wants, but if it were me and I went through that experience. I would make goddamn sure I was using protection so I wouldn't have another kid and it wouldn't happen again. And, and that might be that she, they might've been too. I mean, you can still get pregnant, you know, yeah. it's not a hundred percent foolproof, but you're really putting yourself, like the potential of putting yourself through something traumatic again that would ward me off a risk. having another
1: one. That's a huge risk. You don't want to feel that again. Yeah, as I'm
0: saying, that love must be fucking amazing.
1: All right, I let mean, they're pretty that. freaking awesome. You can hear them now, probably. Yeah. Yelling. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> Ellie's over at my house. We're together. We finally reunited after four months. It's been four months. And yeah, she's over at the house now. And we've never recorded in person together yeah. before. It's kind of and a big ours. deal. It's been an hour. She's been here and she's over to the kids. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Love the kids. Love those kids.
0: Because they're not hers. Exactly. Right. I'm. right. I've already been sneezed on. Oh, my God. On, sniffled it on. It was a
1: beautiful <laughs> moment. Like, Rex never, like, hugs anyone. And he was full on nuzzling your neck, hugging. Yeah. And then he like coughed in your face. <laughs> and if anyone knows Ellie, she is kind of you know. I've been I'm a bit of a germaphobe when it comes to that.
0: Well, I expect to have Ebola tomorrow. Yeah, by, probably. by the time I wake up. Yeah, I'm fine. I take those it. Kid germs are potent. Oh, they are. Yeah. Um, did you talk about all the things you wanted to talk about? Well, let me see. If I were the
1: friends, That got husband, called. Yeah. And everything's all good now. Yeah, it's fine. I'd feel kind of awkward. Yeah, I'm just saying. Well, but I hope that they're close
0: enough friends, and it sounds like they are because I I believe when she says that they friends took took care of their son yeah. for them, I yeah. I'm sure it was these same friends. I bet they have a really good laugh about it now. Yeah, that is my hope.
1: I hope so too. You're right, and that's like family right there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Trauma Bonded. You can find our show where podcasts are kept. If you like us, please rate and review us on Apple or other places. Or reach out on Instagram and tell us what you really think of us. We don't need ego stroking per se, but kind words do really mean a lot to us. What's up, Jamie? (laughs) Thanks, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Olivia for sharing their story and giving us the opportunity to talk about it. Thanks to the This Is Actually Happening team, including Whit Misseldine and Andrew Waits, and the maker of our music and website, Nathaniel Trimboli. Thanks to Kathy Seitz for editing the episode, and to Katie Capel for building those blasted Instagram posts. <laughs> it's funny. You can contact us at traumabondedpod at gmail.com, and find us on Instagram at traumabondedpodofficial. official or visit our website at traumabondedpod.com. As a reminder, we will have a bonus comments episode toward the end of the month where we can discuss listener comments about the episode and address certain things that y'all are talking about. Also, we will have our first TIAH storyteller follow-up this month, so look for that. We are trauma-slash-bonded to the story, to the storyteller, to the listeners, and to each other. Thanks for spending time with us today. Love you, Ellie.
0: Love you, T.